Well, good morning. It is such a privilege to be with you. And as Nikki said, we're going to look at the second half of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit which you were called to, one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be like infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What an amazing passage. And we're going to look at that emphasis that Paul brings that the purpose of the church is that we are to be built up. We are the body who is to grow and to be built that we're each part of this. And as we are built up in love, it is then that we each do our part. As Nikki said, I have the huge privilege of um, getting to travel around the country visiting some of our church plants. I spend a lot of time on trains. I spend them on train platforms, missing trains, delayed trains during the snow. I know where the best Wi-Fi access is, the best coffee. A lot of time on trains. But I want to say to you, we have some amazing church leaders and we have some amazing churches. And I can't quite believe it was only eight months ago that we launched off Phil and Anna Mann to Derby. And I remember the first time I went into that building, iconic big church, big doors. We got the keys, a developer had bought it and we got it back. I remember him unlocking those doors and as he opened them, it was building like this. It had been converted into the largest Chinese restaurant. And I remember seeing this industrial kitchen. I remember seeing the booze. I remember seeing the the, the menus. And, you know, they launched that church. 
They had 360 people at the launch. And even now, they've got 150 on their Alpha course. They've got 50 in their prayer meetings. They still have no heating, and they have to preach in gloves and hats during the snowy period. But God is doing something in Derby. Equally, eight months ago in Coventry, I remember going to see Phil and uh, going into his building. Again, no heating, no lighting, no flooring. And I remember going in and looking up and saying, is, is that the sky I can see? Actually, is that a tree I can see growing out of the roof? And sure enough, the building had been closed in 1972 as a church, and they'd given it to a doctor's surgery, and instead of keeping and maintaining the building, they'd basically put sort of porter cabins inside the building. So when it rained, it literally rained inside the building on top of the porter cabins. But they launched. They've got over 170 people in that congregation. And God is on the move in Coventry. And you know, it doesn't matter where we look geographically. It doesn't matter what stage of development these churches are at. We are part of an amazing family. We are part of something so much bigger than our personal calls. God has called us to be in a family. And we are a family on mission. We've got a family of five. We have three daughters. And do you know, it's quite hard sometimes to keep up with what's going on. One's doing her A-levels. The other one's very sporty. has got moving around, doing matches. One's just started senior school and it's a new year. Tom's very busy with Resurgo and I've got a few things on. But you know, we love family news. We love hearing stories. We use our family WhatsApp and the wider one's called The Mob. And we just love it. We lap up the highs, the lows. We want to hear what's happening in the family. And this morning, I want to share a little bit about with you what is happening in our wider family around the nation. I want us to celebrate what God is doing. We know his purpose. This Ephesians passage shows us his purpose, God's purpose, is to build up the church that we can get to full maturity He's a builder. God is recreating. He is using the church. The church is the agent of change to bring transformation in our cities. And you might be familiar with this media headline. It has said, the Church of England in existential crisis. And uh, you'll see the graph there of the stats of the projected decline. It's projected 3% of young people aged between 18 to 24 would say that they are a Christian or Anglican. Only 15% of the overall population would identify as Anglican or as Christians. And fewer than 1 million people go to church in our nation. And as Jeremy Paxman very helpfully pointed out in his article last year, the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds has more members than we do churchgoers. It's not a great backdrop, is it? Not wildly promising. And yet, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus at a time where the church is small. The church is a minority. Ephesus has competing competing worldviews. It's a center for commerce. It's not that dissimilar to London. A huge center in Asia Minor. And what's Paul writing? Is he saying, just hold in there, hold on? No, he's saying, build up. Build up your people. 
grow. The purpose is to grow. God's purpose is to use the church, to use you and me to bring transformation to the city. And Paul reminds us that Jesus, under Jesus' authority, he is the head of the body. It is his body. And we are all parts, playing different vital parts. But it's Jesus who is the one who is the head. And he wants us to grow, to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. And at a conference last year, I heard somebody, it could have been a throwaway comment, but I heard somebody say, the future role of the clergy in the Church of England is to manage decline well. To manage decline well. And as I visit our church plants around the country, I want to say I see the total opposite. I believe that a wind of change is blowing across our nation. And I believe we're starting to see dynamic, sold-out young men and women leading resource churches like Toby and Jill, like John and Hannah. I believe we're seeing teams of young people coming to serve communities right on the margins. I believe God is doing a new thing through his church. And we, you and I, have the immense privilege of being a small part of that. I want to tell you a few stories of what I see as I, as I travel around. And recently I was in Bournemouth with Tim and, um, Tim and Debbie Matthews. And they're doing an extraordinary thing there. They have grown that church. We planted in 2014. And they have over 600 in their congregation. But what struck me was not just the young people, the dynamism of it, but it was the fact that They've been broken into so many times in their vicarage. The fact they have to pick up needles outside of their vicarage door before their children go to school. I asked, how did it feel moving your young family into an area of high drug abuse and prostitution? This is not safe. This is risky stuff. This is mission. And yet God is doing extraordinary things in Bournemouth. So too, St. George's and Gateshead, I remember visiting Rich Grant up there, Rich and Louise, and amazing looking around their church. And while I was there, this young guy kept coming in his little red car and pulling up to the church, opening his boot and cramming it full of stuff and driving off. And this happened twice while I was there in the morning. And eventually I said to Rich, what's going on? What's, what's, what's going on with this guy? And he said, oh, no, no, that's our, that's our youth worker. This is his day off. He, um, he's just coming because we've got this church hall, but it, we, we inherited it full of junk, you know, or wheelchairs and rubble. And so for the last five months, he has been bringing his little car and taking trips to the dump because we couldn't afford a skip. And, you know, I spoke to that youth leader and I said, you're amazing to do this on your day off for five months. And he said, you know, every trip I do, I think we're that bit closer to launching this as a youth center. Now, that is the kind of leadership, that is the kind of young people that God is raising up in these plant churches. So too in Norwich with Ian and um, Jill Dybel, they planted in 2013. They've got over 500 in their congregation They further planted three churches. And uh, when I went to see them, 
wherever we went on this tour, there was activity, there was Pilates and prayer going on in one. They've bought this pub called the Mitre Pub and there was a Syrian refugee who they've employed as the chef. I then came across their sports factory where they've got five young people who are going into the local schools and running sports clubs because there's no extracurricular activity. They're trying to get a women's home for vulnerable or trafficked women. I mean, I could go on and on. It's extraordinary what they are doing. God is on the move in Norwich. And there are so many stories I wish I could tell you in Lincoln, in Crawley, in Hastings, in Brighton, in Portsmouth, in Birmingham, in Nottingham, whichever place you visit, there is signs of hope. There are beacons of light. There are grassroots, extraordinary social transformation happening in those places. And it's not just remarkable what these leaders are doing. It's remarkable what God is doing. There's a sense of his spirit engaging, drawing people back, saying welcome home and building up the body. And Paul reminds us, we are one body. We are one family. There is one body, one spirit. Just you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all and in all. That is what we are called to be part of. So what is the part that you and I can play? God may be calling us to Bristol or Southampton, but he may be calling us to play a different part. We are all called to play a part. I love our mission statement here, the re-evangelization of the nation. But then it goes on, the revitalization of the church in order to see the transformation of society. That, people, is what we are about And we're united in purpose. And I'm so excited about the leadership conference because, as Nikki said, it's like a family reunion, like focus. It's when when the network churches come back together again. We celebrate each other. We encourage each other. It's an amazing opportunity just to say to those leaders who sometimes feel isolated and out on their own, right on the cold face, this is battle after battle after battle. It's an opportunity to say to them, we're with you. We're behind you. We're for you. We want to help resource you. So this is one of the reasons why CRT was set up. And that's what you're part of. I'd love to tell you a little bit about the vision of CRT. What is the vision? Well, we have a vision to plant into 100 city city centres in our nation. We recognise that not only are 20-year-olds hemorrhaging from church they've never been to church we've got an absent generation and I'm amazed even here there might be those of you who've only just come into church I'm always meeting people who've never been in a church and I, I find it astonishing but we have a lost generation and we want to plant a hundred city center resource churches into university cities to attract the young people to say God has not forgotten, he has a purpose for your life, to tell them that the king is not dead, he is very, very much alive. 
So in our vision, we want to plant resource churches. We want to see cities transformed and play our part. And we want to raise up a whole generation of vibrant, sold-out, passionate leaders who will lead these city centre resource churches. And, you know, it takes all shapes and sizes to lead various expressions of the church. We love the whole church. We want the whole wide breadth of the church to plant. Hillsong, new wine. We need everyone to plant if we're going to reach our nation. But what we feel God has called us here to contribute, our small part, is the resource church. And we've been planting for over 34 years As you know, first of all in London and then 2009 into Brighton with Archie and into these cities. And we believe that God is going to raise up men and women who have the capacity, the talent, the calling to lead these kinds of churches. And they're not just big churches in the city as much as that's wonderful. They're only resource churches when they themselves start to plant when they start to bless the diocese, the churches in their area, to say any resource we have is yours, generously giving it. When they plant into towns, into villages, that's when we'll start to see transformation. And we want to raise up a team to go with them, youth workers. We're working with Worship Central to raise up 100 dynamic worship leaders, children's workers, social transformation coordinators, operations directors. We might have some here. What is God calling you to do? To use your skill set. To build up his body. So what are City Centre Resource Churches? I've said that they are vibrant churches. They're in strategic city centre locations. They're in close proximity to the university campuses because we want to reach that generation. We want them to be regional centres of excellence. Hubs for Alpha, we want Alpha to be their key operating system, marriage courses, caring for ex-offenders, and we want to see them being pioneers of social social transformation. We dare to believe that the church, we can be on the front foot of blessing and meeting the needs of the city, working with the local community, encouraging them. Why should we be known for what we're against? Why can't we be known as the best providers for social enterprise, business, transformation. So how are we going to do this? How are you all going to do this? Well, our mission is to plant three to five of these every year. So you see we're doing Bristol and Southampton. We need to develop the pipeline of national leaders. We need to implement a bespoke training, which we've started this past year. And we want to provide world-class training. We don't want these church leaders and their teams to go and be bogged down by, you know, what the budgets need to look like or the the operational side of job descriptions and health and safety. So we want to equip them with that. We want to say we want to train you with the best resources we have. And we're trying to do that here. All of us working together. You may have expertise. We would love to know. We want to partner with leading charities who are exhibiting best practice And that could be anything from tackling youth unemployment through SPEAR, debt advice, working with caring for ex-offenders, working against human trafficking, hubs of transformation. And we want to strengthen the HDB network. We want to provide coaching for their teams, encouragement, resources. 
We don't want them to feel out on their own. We want them to know that they are part of our family. We care for them, we love them, and we're praying for them. So how are we going to do it? Well, we have developed 10 work streams that I won't go through, but just so you know, there is a plan. And um, part of that is impact measurement. Um, We need to raise money. We need to set up trusts. We need to deal with VAT. We've got a buildings portfolio. Because for each one of these churches, we need to find an iconic building whether it's like St. Peter's Brighton, a beautiful ecclesiastical building that has significant stone repairs, as every stone building in the UK does, with a big price tag, or whether it's like Gas Street, a factory, a warehouse, or Nottingham, an old auction house, or Portsmouth, the department store. We're asking God to raise up buildings fit for purpose for 21st century mission, and we need help to do that. What could the impact be? I want to show you a little graph that we put together. It's, it's not a perfect science. It's a bit more of an art. But in this graph, you'll see the black bar charts. The black bar chart is the trajectory of the numbers in the Church of England. You can see rapid decline. And the red bar charts are CRT. Now, as I said, we want everyone to plant. But this is just if we managed to plant these city centre resource churches. You'll see that we start to plateau because we're just combating the decline. And then the blue line is the numbers of churches. And we premise this on the average of our current church plants in Lincoln, in Bournemouth, in Gateshead. We took an average of what their growth is after the first three years and plotted this. And you'll see that the pendulum swings. In 13 years' time, we see the Church of England start to grow across our country. It is possible. This is possible. Decline does not have to be the last word. And that is what we are putting our energies towards. That is what you are resourcing Thank you for praying. Many of you at the Tuesday morning prayer meeting last week when we prayed for this. It is battle after battle after battle for these church leaders. They are doing an astonishing job. And they need to know that we're behind them because I know we are behind them. God is doing something new. The king is not dead. And Paul talks about us being like a body, doesn't he? For him, the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And I want to encourage you this morning, whatever part you are playing, if you're part of a connect group, if you're doing the food on Alpha, if you're helping with the children's ministry, if you're volunteering at the shelter, coming to the early morning prayer meeting, if you're giving financially to the work of the church, whatever capacity that you are serving is not just here for London. You're making an impact on our nation. And it is vital that each of us play our part. And it's so tempting to think I'm so insignificant, I'm such a tiny cog in a big wheel, my contribution doesn't make a difference. What would happen if the heart or the lungs... Or our kidneys said that to the body. I'm just one part of many. We need each other. 
We need each other as these church plant teams are all playing their part and their churches are growing and being built up as Paul encourages us to be. So too we here in London are being built up because we have this mega city to reach, don't we? We have a big vision here ourselves to reach. And I wonder when we read that verse, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. What stirs in your heart? What is God calling you to do? What part is he calling you to play? And for some of you here, it it may be that he's calling you to be ordained. You might be one of our future city centre resource church leaders, as scary as that might feel. For some of you, he may be saying, you've got that skill set, offer it, use it. What is God stirring in your heart? Because we are a family on a mission. We are a people with purpose. And I don't think there's any more exciting vision to give our lives to than this. Remembering that it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by strategies or graphs. But it's by his spirit, says the Lord. Thank you.